water. Amen. Amen. Well, it is good to be back, and um, I recognize a few of you, and um, some of you I don't recognize, and I'm sure some of you don't recognize me either. And uh, I am a, a little bit older now, and uh, grew a beard, covered up a whole lot of ugly, and uh, but it's good to be back, and uh, we praise the Lord for the opportunity to be here um, this evening. And um, I was already told to keep it short. Um, I won't look at who told me that. And uh, no, <laughs> no, we're having a good time back there. Um, but it, it's always good to be back uh, at our supporting churches. I just want to say thank you um, for, for your faithfulness in supporting us. Uh, while we've been on the field, it's been about four years since we've been here. We were uh, on the field for about three and a half years this time. Uh, the Lord allowed us to be able to stay down there um, with a good amount of work to do. We stayed very busy. And I'm thankful for the, the Lord helping us with everything. Uh, that we did down there, and just to kind of give a recap, when we left the last time, we had already been in Bethlehem for a little while. Uh, the Lord allowed us to start the church while we were down there. We came back, uh, had to raise just a little bit more support, and uh, we went back down there. And while we were there, uh, we basically continued with the, the church planting uh, there on the island of Bethlehem. And uh, just to kind of give a recap of where we're at, uh, if you know where Brother Larry was at over there in Honduras, uh, we're straight across the Gulf, and um, I looked at trying to go over there uh, to Honduras and decided I wasn't going to do it. It's too far across the Gulf. My boat wouldn't make it that far, and uh, so we decided we wouldn't. No, um, we're in the southern end of the Caribbean. If you go all the way almost to Grenada, uh, we sit right between St. Lucia and Grenada, and uh, the main island is St. Vincent, um, and then you have the Grenadine Islands. Uh, St. Vincent and the Grenadines is the country. And uh, we've been working on the island of Beckway. Um, I had the privilege of working with another missionary there years ago. And uh, we have been working there on the southern end of the island, along with working uh, with one of the national pastors, Brother Timothy Mitchell, uh, on, the, on the northern side in the harbor. And uh, so we have been working to get the church going. Uh, we have done about nine different gospel tent crusades with the tent that God has given us. Uh, we've done that on both sides of the island and on the island of St. Vincent, uh, just trying to get the gospel out. And uh, Beckway has about 6,000 people, so it's a very small island. Um, and so it's like knocking on the same door over and over again. And uh, they tell you, I'll be there. Yeah. yeah, same thing happens here. I'll be there. You can count on it. Uh, they have a saying down there. Um, basically what they say is, um, God spare life. They'll say, I'll be there. God spare life. They don't show up. I see them in the harbor. I'm like, I thought you died. They look at me real funny. I told, I, you told me you'd be there if God spared your life. Y'all didn't show up. Oh, pastor, pastor, pastor. <laughs> but uh, it, it's fun. I, I'm a little hard on them sometimes. But, um, but we continue to just uh, try to be a, a, an outreach, just try to, to give the gospel to them every chance we get. And uh, the church that we've got, Bible Baptist Church, uh, we have been working there. God, about two years ago, sent us a man. Uh, by the name of Brother Ozzy. And uh, Brother Ozzy is from Beckway, uh, right in Paget Farm where we're at. Uh, Brother Ozzy's dad was a preacher in the evangelical church uh, years ago, and they moved off island, and uh, Brother Ozzy was in the British Virgin Islands. And uh, while he was there, God convicted Brother Ozzy of his lifestyle. Brother Ozzy got saved, gave his life to God, told him he would preach, and that God called him to preach. Problem is, he was on a completely different island, completely different country. And um, a hurricane, God decided to send a hurricane up their way. And um, 
destroyed their house, and uh, Brother Ozzie moved back to Beckway. And when he got there, he went into the evangelical church where he'd always known. And um, we, we got connected because his uh, cousins um, come to our church, and they began witnessing to him, trying to get him to come to church. And uh, he said, well, I'm already saved. And so Brother Ozzie, we, we met up. We started texting back and forth, and we would uh, share notes and Bible study and things like that. He would ask me questions about what I believed, and I would ask him questions about what he believed. And um, he, he decided, he, he, he told me he was praying about it. Lord put a message on his heart about preaching on a, a lady's role in the church. And I told Brother Ozzie, I said, Brother Ozzie, I said, you preach that. They're not going to like it very much. And um, he said, well, I really feel like God wants me to do it. I said, I didn't tell you not to do it. I just told you they're not going to like it. And he went and preached it. He called me about a week later and said, hey, they kicked me out. And uh, I said, well, I told you. And I said, we'll be praying for you. Never invited him to church. And uh, you could ask him today if I ever invited him to church. I never did. And because I told, I, I told my wife and I, we'd been praying about it. I never wanted Brother Ozzie to come to church because I invited him. I wanted it to be God. And um, God brought him to our doorstep and uh, we've become good friends. And uh, he's preaching for me um, right now. And uh, he's probably almost over it, the time difference there. Um, but he's preaching down there right now for us. And uh, he's been helping me. He's worked alongside me. We've allowed him to preach. Uh, we have a Bible institute that we, we teach in. I don't head it up, uh, but I do teach in it. And uh, it's all through online. And uh, Brother Ozzy's been enrolled in that. And uh, so he's been taking the classes. And uh, through that, the Lord's been growing him. And uh, so what we've done is when we left, I left Brother Ozzy in charge of the church, and, uh, but he doesn't feel like he's ready to pastor yet. And so I want to ask you to pray for Brother Ozzy. Uh, I believe he's qualified. I believe that he is, uh, he's got the spirit of learning. Uh, he desires to learn. He's very teachable. Um, I've had to go to him about a couple things and say, hey, here's what the Bible actually says on this. And he's taking it, and he's taking it well. Uh, just even yesterday, we were trying to help him. Uh, and again, if you know me, I know about that much. And uh, so I, I, I know very little, but I try to give what I can. And uh, Brother Ozzy's been a blessing to us in helping us there in the church. My prayer is that when we go back in a year, uh, that we'll be able to take Brother Ozzy, uh, ordain him, and put him in as the pastor of the church there in Padgett Farm. The church still needs a building. Uh, we rent right now. And uh, they've, uh, when I left, we had to move from the upstairs to the downstairs. The landlady asked us to do that. And so it put a lot on them. They had to work. Uh, they had to paint. Uh, I got half of it done, and they had to finish everything. And if you've ever had to pick up somebody else's work, it wasn't fun. And um, so um, but we had, we had poured concrete, make a little platform. We'd done a lot of stuff. And then they had to come in and finish doing some painting and some cleanup. And uh, so they, they jumped right in, and they did good work, and they got it done. And they got it done in time, which the landlady said, she told me when I left, she said, they're not going to have it done. She said, they don't work as fast as you. And so three of them jumped in there and got it done faster, and um, so it worked out well. And, um, but y'all pray for Brother Ozzie. Uh, keep him in your prayer, uh, because we, when we go back, our prayer is that we'll be able to put Brother Ozzie in as the pastor there at Bible Baptist. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take the gospel boat that God has given us, and we're going to go down to the island of Kenawan, uh, which has about 2,000 people in no Baptist churches. Uh, there's the island of Kenawan, and then there's the island of Union, uh, which is just about maybe five, six miles apart. And uh, neither one of those islands have a church. 
And so what we're going to do, we've got the gospel boat. We're going to start on one island. We're going to live on one island. Uh, we're going to get a church started there. And we're also going to begin reaching out to the other island, trying to get a church started on that island at the same time. Uh, with about 2,000 people, you can imagine things move very slowly. And um, if you've ever been to the Caribbean, they don't get in a hurry for anything. And um, it, it is extremely slow, and it drives me bonkers. And uh, I'm like, come on, let's, let's go, let's go, let's go. And they're like, oh, we'll get to it. I'm like, no, you've got to hurry. And so I can't change their culture, but I can at least try to conform a little bit. And uh, so what we're going to try to do is plant both churches at the same time. And uh, God giving us the boat will help us to be able to accomplish that. And uh, so what we'll do is we'll have a Sunday morning service on one of the islands. And uh, then after service, we'll take the boat over to the next island. We'll plan an evening service over there. And then we'll have a Wednesday night service on one island and a Thursday night service on the other. So we'll focus on having just two services a week, uh, which is customary down there. It's hard to get people out for two services on one day. They just don't do it. Um, it, it every Baptist church, every false denomination except for one, uh, they are, are pretty much just a one-service-only type of people. And so that will help us in planting two churches. And, um, and so I want to ask, just ask you to pray for us concerning those things. On the back, um, I put up our prayer cards. We've got new prayer cards there. Um, and it's got all the kids on there and their names. we got Malachi, Katie, Emily, and Everly, and then my wife, Mackenzie. Uh, but also back there is some bookmarks. And I should have one in here somewhere. Um, but I have some bookmarks for each of the islands. Uh, so if you would get one of those bookmarks, I know I have one. Um, and uh, it's got the island on there that you can pray for. It's got the population there. And so if you'll take those and take, keep them in your Bible, put them in a book, uh, you can get one of each. You're fine with that or get five of each. It doesn't matter. i got plenty. All right. But take them, put them in a book. And as you read through your books, pray for us. Uh, but pray specifically for that island. And uh, one of the islands I did not mention is Myro. There's a card back there for Myro that has about 500 people. And uh, Myro, I don't know uh, what we'll do there. I wish I could tell you I know exactly what God wants me to do. I just don't simply know what God wants us to do there yet. Uh, 500 people, but there's no Baptist churches. And so we want to do our part in reaching there. I just don't know if God will have us plant a church there um, or if we'll somehow bring people back and forth. And so just help us pray about that. Um, one of the other things we've been doing is trying to promote just a little bit from the other pastors that's down there. Um, we work with several of the national pastors. I already mentioned Brother, uh, Brother Timothy Mitchell. Uh, they're going to be doing a building program. Uh, God has put it on their heart to build. Um, they have, um, if, uh, let's see here, they, they've been in that building for over 20 years. Brother Jerry and I uh, helped build the building, and um, it's a, just a wooden building that's there, and uh, they're going to be having to take that building down and then build. And so what they did is they purchased a block machine, and that way they can make their own blocks. Uh, we were, the day before I left, my wife's packing stuff. I'm over there making blocks. Uh, we're mixing concrete, trying to figure out the right ratio of, of mixtures to be able to make the best blocks. And uh, so it's going to cost them about a dollar U.S. per block. And, um, and so y'all help them pray. Um, if the Lord ever puts it on your heart, or if you're a block mason and you want to go help build a building, uh, call me, all right? Um, American Airlines from Miami has got a quick flight down there and uh, you can go down there and lay as many blocks as you want I know Brother Mitchell will be uh, thrilled about that uh, but also we've been working with a man Brother Wilson Joseph uh, he's on the main island of St. Vincent um, he is a uh, man he, he was saved out of gangs very rough lifestyle 
and um, God saved him and made a difference in his life. And Brother Wilson uh, has become a good friend to us. And we told him we would promise to help uh, just encourage folks to pray for Brother Wilson and their church. And their, Brother Wilson is wanting to plant another church up in that area. Uh, he's using our sound system right now, in our, um, or his sound system in our generator. And he's doing some street preaching right now. Uh, he's pastoring and he's going to be trying to reach out to some other areas. Um, ask you to pray for a man by the name of Brother Claudius Harry. Uh, Brother Harry is up in his upper 80s, um, and he's still wanting to plant churches. Um, he can't get out, he can't do much anymore, but he's wanting more churches to be planted. And, um, and we've, uh, I, I've not really worked with Brother Harry. He didn't like me when he first met me, and uh, I don't blame him. I don't like me either, and I've already known myself. And uh, Brother, Brother Harry likes me now. Um, he, he, uh, he's become a blessing and a man's got a burden for his own country, for his own people. Um, we've also been working with a church. The, um, if you look at the island of St. Vincent, the very last village on the main island of St. Vincent is an area called Fancy. Um, there's a pastor just south of there, but Fancy uh, has about 500 people. The church has been there for over 40 years. And for the last five years, they've not had a pastor. And uh, they've been praying for a pastor. Uh, they have a little parsonage there that the people decided they were going to try to fix up. Um, two of the ladies in the church took a loan out uh, trying to fix it up themselves. And um, we, me and one of the other pastors found out about it, and we volunteered to go up and do some of the work. We've laid tile. Uh, we've uh, been remodeling the bathroom, trying to get it fixed, and doing a lot of different things on the house. But we're doing all of it in hopes that they will get a pastor, a man that would be willing to come down. who um, has got a free place to stay. The church building is paid for. Uh, the people are very kind. Uh, there's even a nice river to go swim in, right, Malachi? And uh, Malachi went up to help us, and um, he spent more time in the river than he did helping us. And, um, but you walk into Fancy right now, or if I walk into Fancy, they're like, oh, who are you? Where's Malachi? They don't know who I am, but they know Malachi. And um, we have pictures. We were in Fancy for probably less than an hour, and there was about 15, 20 kids showed up all wanting to see Malachi. And... Uh, there's several girls too, but uh, he doesn't want me to mention that part. Um, there, there was a group of girls come by, and they were like, where's Malachi? And he was oblivious to it. I was like, the girls were asking about you. And um, so, but Fancy, I pray for the church up there in Fancy. Um, wonderful people up there. They need a pastor. And uh, so y'all help us pray uh, for them. Um, there's probably close to 10 other villages on the main island of St. Vincent that need churches. And um, places I've never even been uh, that I know that need churches. And so I want to ask you just to help us pray. Uh, we've got the gospel tent. There's a, there's a possibility we may get another tent. Um, and we want to be able to try to run both tents. Um, I'm working with some of the men that we've got now. Um, our plan is when we get back, uh, we're going to be planting our churches. But we also want to lend a hand in helping get some more churches planted. Um, it's not my goal to go down there and be, be the one that does it all. Um, I, as much as I want to go do everything myself, I can't. And uh, we need more people to help us. We need laborers. Uh, we need people to pray that God would send forth laborers into his harvest. And so I want to ask you to pray for us concerning those things. Um, I'm excited about it. I'm ready to go back, um, especially as it's, it was cold last week. Uh, remember, I've been in the Caribbean for uh, three and a half years where it's been hot. And uh, y'all's cold weather, uh, my hands have not warmed up yet. Uh, but Larry, do your hands ever get warm?
Uh, mine don't. I've not got them to get warm back up yet, and so I keep them in my pocket. So if you see my hands in my pocket when I preach tonight, the reason is they're cold, all right? And if you shake my hand and my hands are cold, I'm sorry. That's just the way it is, all right? Um, I, I, could, I could bore you all night with everything uh, concerning the mission field, getting the boat. Um, I do have some exciting stories about bringing the boat down uh, about 100 miles uh, from shore, and um, the boat uh, catching a rope and the engines dying in the middle of the ocean and not knowing what's going on. Uh, pitch black, jumping in the ocean full of sharks. There could have been sharks. There could have been, I don't know, I couldn't see. It was pitch black. And uh, diving under the boat, trying to cut ropes off of it. Um, it's been fun, all right? I even got sick in the midst of doing all that. And uh, did I ever tell you that, Mom? I don't know. My mom's probably scared to death. Um, probably should have kept that one to myself. And uh, uh, But... Um, we, uh, we, we're doing our best to try to just mind the Lord and, and just be faithful to what he's called us to do. And, um, and in doing that, tonight, uh, if you'll take your Bible, let's go to the book of Acts, chapter number 26. Um, I, um, the last couple of days, been just thinking about what to preach while I was here. And um, sometimes the Lord just gives us exactly what I, I believe he wants us to, to, to teach on or preach from. And uh, other times it's a struggle. And uh, I'll be honest with you today, the devil has fought me uh, since I got up this morning and uh, in our driving and everything else, my car's been giving me trouble and um, it's just been frustrating. And uh, just trying to mind the Lord, I told my sister and them uh, today, I said, I may be preaching on a root of bitterness and may just be preaching to myself. And uh, I'm a little bit bitter at my car, uh, but it got us here, so I, I can at least be thankful for that. Um, but, but in all that, just trying to mind the Lord and what he would have us to, to, to speak on tonight, um, I, I sat down and was just look, looking through a couple different things, and um, God put this thought on my heart from here where, uh, in, in Acts chapter number 26, and I just want to kind of give us uh, maybe just a brief overview. I, I'll give you the verse, uh, Acts chapter 26, verse number 19. We'll read it, and then what I'll do is I'll just kind of walk us through a little bit of this chapter tonight. And then give you just the thought that's on my heart tonight. But verse number 19 says, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. Now, when Paul said this, here in Acts chapter number 26, uh, Paul is standing before King Agrippa. Paul has been arrested. Uh, Paul has been faithful to the Lord. Uh, we, know, we know Paul's life. We know his ministry. We know uh, from the very beginning. And what Paul has done... Uh, for King Agrippa, beginning in the very first part of the chapter, King Agrippa gives Paul permission to basically plead his case. He's standing before King Agrippa, and he tells Agrippa's like, Paul, tell me why you're here. You have freedom to speak. And so Paul takes the opportunity and, and explains some things uh, about himself. Now, Paul gives his introduction in verse number 1 through 3. He breaks it down and just kind of introduces himself uh, introduces what he's, he's going to say. He said he's happy um, that he's going to answer for himself. Now, Paul does that in verses 1 through 3. In verses 4 and 5, Paul deals with his upbringing. He talks about his religious upbringing. He talks about how that he lived the life of a Pharisee. Uh, he was trying to keep every aspect of the law. Now, we understand the law for the nation of Israel. There's 613 laws that the nation of Israel had to keep. God gave them the laws. Now, we understand during the 400 years of silence um, that the law took a turn. And where God had 613 laws, 
Everyone else began to pour. All the priests, all the scribes, the Pharisees, they began to put more laws on people, which made it harder. So when we get into Christ time, uh, basically what they have done is they have completely corrupted the law. And, and so that's what Christ comes in. He keeps the law. All right, The Pharisees are like, you're breaking the law. And Christ says, no, I'm keeping my law. I'm breaking yours. All right, And uh, so what, what's going on is he, he's breaking all those things down. And Paul tells that. He says, I lived as a Pharisee. And a lot of times we throw that word around Pharisee. Oftentimes, you know, we don't like what somebody does. Oh, well, they're a Pharisee. Uh, well, that's not what Paul was doing. That was a good thing in their religious standpoint. When they would look at, at, at an individual, they were a Pharisee. We could say that they kept the law. They were doing things. They were living right. So in Paul's mind, as he was raised, oftentimes we can put it this way, maybe he was raised in church. I was raised in church, but it didn't make a difference. I was still a law sinner. Paul was raised in church. He did all the formalities. He kept the law. He dressed right. He acted right. Uh, he, he did all the things that he was supposed to do. And as he got older, he had a hope. And his hope was, was not in Christ, but it was in keeping the law. We see that in, in Paul's upbringing. We see that in Paul's hope. Um, he was looking for that redeemer, just like the nation of Israel. They were looking for a physical deliverer, not a spiritual deliverer. That's why when Christ come, everybody was coming to him. And, oh, Hosanna to the, to the height. I mean, they're looking for a physical king. The nation of Israel wants to be delivered from all their physical problems, but not their spiritual problems. We face the same thing in our day. Uh, when I'm down there in Beckway, I'll have people show up at the church oftentimes, and they're like, Pastor, will you pray for me? I need this. Well, it's always a physical thing. I've, I've rarely ever had anybody come to me and say, Pastor, I'm really struggling. Would you help me pray for my emotional problems or my spiritual problems? That's rare. They're always wanting the physical things. We're, we're, we're emotional people, but we're physical people. We always look for the things. And the nation of Israel is no different than us. We can criticize them when Christ comes. They're like, are you going to set up your kingdom now? Are you going to deliver us from wrong? And Christ is like, no, you've rejected me as your physical king, and you've rejected me as your spiritual king. No. They don't understand. But Paul begins to deal with his past in verses uh, 9 through 12, and he, he, he fought against Christ, he says. Uh, he goes through there. He began to fight against the church, those that have been born again. Uh, you have the, the 12 uh, apostles. They go out there. They begin to preach. They begin to teach. Uh, they, there's thousands that are born again. The church is birthed. Uh, they've been empowered. They're going out. They're emboldened. They're going and preaching the gospel. And God is doing great things through the church. Well, Paul doesn't like that. Remember, he's religious. And so he, he tells King Agrippa, he said, King Agrippa, I fought against Christ. He said, I, I imprisoned the believers. I killed believers. I spoke against them. I punished them. I tortured them. Uh, to the point that they would blaspheme. He says, I was mad, I was angry, I was bloodthirsty, and I persecuted them even under strange cities. Paul said, look, I did so much that I forced them in places they'd never even been. Paul was a brutal man. And he was doing all of this under the umbrella of religion. I mean, religion said, Paul, we want you to do that. So in Paul's mind, Paul is doing everything he's supposed to. In his mind, this is he 
he's doing something for God. The problem is he didn't know who God was. He says this in verse number 13. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me, and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient under the heavenly vision. See, Paul deals here, he goes through and he explains all of his life. He deals with the call that God gives him here. And in doing so, he talks about his call of salvation, but also that call of service. A lot of times we, we, we deal with, with salvation and we understand that God wants everyone to be saved. Christ died for the whole world that all men be saved. But I believe that if we have been saved, that God has a purpose for all of us. And he said that in verse number 16. He told Paul, he said, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. Tonight, all of us have a purpose. Everything we have has a purpose. Sometimes my, my wife, she doesn't understand things that I do. I've got this box of screws and nails and nuts and washers, and it's from things I've taken apart and I've just kept them. And, and it sits there in a big box, and she's like, why do you even have that? And I can promise you after 15 years of collecting them, I used one screw the other day. <laughs> and I learned that from my grandpa. He kept, we, we straightened nails. We took that bathhouse down and we went through and we straightened up all those nails to reuse them. Why? Because they have a purpose. Now, I, I didn't understand that until I got on the mission field and one little screw cost $10. And I'm like, I can go get that out of that old fan over there. And I go take the screws out. Now, I keep them and finally I got to use one the other day. I was so excited. <laughs> Thrilling in my life. I don't know what I'm going to do with the other 10000 but I've got to use one. And it had a purpose. Sometimes I feel that way with my life. Sometimes I feel like I'm just sitting in a bucket doing nothing. Just sitting there gathering rust. And I'm like, God, what do you want me to do? And then finally one day God says, hey, get up. i got something for you to do. Well, Paul was that way. I, you know, I don't know how God worked in the life of Paul. I remember, I mean, I, I, y'all know, most of y'all probably know the testimony. I grew up in church. But when I got saved when I was 14 years old, God made a change in my life. But I remember that day, and I don't know if God had ever 
dealt with me as strongly as he had that day about being saved. But then it was a couple of years later when God dealt with my heart about doing something for him. And when, when I surrendered to God, I told the Lord, I mean, it, it, I, it was doing some fighting. I didn't want to give in. I told God I'd do anything but preach. I was like, God, I'll do anything. I'll scrub a toilet. I'll like, I don't care, Lord. I'll do all those things. But I don't want to preach. And God said, well, that's what I want you to do. Well, God, I'll do anything. Lord, I'll be a prayer warrior. I'll do this. I'll go to the mission field, but I'm not going to be a preacher. Well, then I surrendered to preach. And I remember going to the mission field, and I made a statement a couple times on deputation. I'm a missionary, but I don't want to be a pastor. Yeah, I know. Y'all are thinking I'm pretty dumb. I am, all right? I'm just not pretty. I'm, I'm dumb, all right? I had to learn to be a pastor down there, too. But it's like what I say, well, Lord, I'm not going to do that. I'm not good at this. God says, well, let's try it anyways. Sometimes we don't think we're qualified. And rightfully so, most of the time we're not. Nehemiah, when Nehemiah went to build a wall, guess what? Nehemiah had never built a wall before. Nehemiah rallied the nation, revived the nation to follow after God, to build the wall, to lift back the name of Christ up again. And guess what? He'd never done it before. He didn't have the qualifications. He didn't, he didn't have it, but he did have one thing, and that was purpose. Paul had never been the greatest missionary there ever was outside of Christ until he surrendered to God. When God told Paul that he had a purpose for him, Paul gave his life to God. He, he stood up. I don't know. I mean, God told him to rise up and stand. I'm sure Paul did that. He rose up and stood. Of course, he couldn't see. But he rose up. He stood. And he began to sit out and do things for God. But in all those things we see his call, but we see his course. Paul had a course. God gave Paul something to do. I don't believe that God saves an individual just to simply be saved. When I, when I was a kid, I'd oftentimes wonder, God, why wouldn't you just save me and then let me go to heaven? I mean, did anybody else ever think that? All right. Okay, good. I'm not the only one. I sometimes think I'm the only one, but I used to think, oh, Lord, why? you know, that would definitely make the whole assurance thing. Well, I'm not there yet. Must not be saved yet. Let me try it again. But that was just in my mind. I thought, well, God, wouldn't that make things so much easier? Well, who's going to preach to me? Who's going to tell me that I need to be saved? Who's going to go tell the world? Well, that's where God's a whole lot smarter than I am. He said, I can't take you to heaven yet. You've got to go tell somebody. There's a course for you. When that course was set, I, I, I didn't know. I don't know. Uh, there's times that God may change our course. We may think. God puts us here. Then God puts us there. But I believe that Paul was, was very clear in what he said. Paul said that he was not disobedient. So what he's saying is he's looking at King Agrippa. And he's saying, King Agrippa, I did what God asked me to do. Well, what was that? He said in verse 17, Delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. God said, Paul, I'm going to deliver you from the people so that I can send you back into the people. God, you're going to get me out just so I have to go back in? We don't understand sometimes. But God says, I've got a reason for it. 
But then verse 18, to open their eyes. Well, why did their eyes need to be open? Because they couldn't see. They had eyes, but they could not see. It's like me sitting in church uh, as a kid. I would hear the preacher preach. I could, I could take you through the Bible the week before I got saved. I took a young man through the Bible and showed him how to get saved. And I believe the young man got born again. But I was blinded to it. I could see it, but it didn't make a difference. I sat in church. I've listened to the preaching. I've heard, I've heard my grandpa preach. I've heard my mom preach, even though she's not a preacher. And my mom preached. Dad, you need to do this, you need to do that. My sister preached to me, I'm sure. She's not, they're not qualified, all right? They're not called to do preach. Right? I've heard Brother Sexton preach. He scared me to death when I was a kid. I almost got saved one time because I'd already been saved. We got in the car. He, he was going to take us up in his airplane. He hands me a book this big. And, and he said, I sometimes pass out. He says, you need to read this so in case I do pass out, you can fly the airplane. I've opened the book and it's in Spanish. And he looks at me and says, you speak Spanish, right? I said, uh, no. And he hands me another book. He said, it's a Spanish-English dictionary. He said, we got an hour. If I hadn't have been saved, I'd have got saved. All right, I'm just telling you. Do you remember that little <laughs> Okay, you probably did that to everybody, didn't you? I was scared to death. I heard so much preaching in my life. But my eyes were still closed. I knock on people's doors and I give the gospel to them and they, they reject it. And sometimes within me I think, you know what? It's the last time I talk to that person. They don't want to hear. You know how many times I sat through message after message after message, after message, after message. And then one day, who wasn't the preacher? It was God. Opened my eyes. And I remember sitting on the front row, and God dealing with my heart. But God, I remember, Lord, I, I went out here one night, in the, or one morning in the, in the grass, and that counselor took me through the Bible. David, that one. I remember that time I was beating up on my sister and I was going to get a whooping and I thought, well, I, if, I, if I get saved tonight, I won't get a whooping. <laughs> David, that wasn't me. That morning it was God. Yeah. God opened my eyes. My eyes were open because the preacher preached the gospel. There was a lot of hands that went into that. And it says there, and it turned them from darkness to light. When our eyes open to the gospel, we see the difference between light and darkness. See, I never really saw myself as a sinner until I saw myself as a sinner. I remember, I mean, I got in trouble. I knew I was a sinner. <laughs> but I never recognized that I was a sinner until that morning. I realized that morning that the reason I was going to hell was not because of something else. It was because of me. Paul said there, and from the power of Satan unto God. See, when I got born again, there was a power change in my life. I, I, I can put it to you this way. The day I got saved, a battle started. There was a battle in my life whether I was actually going to do right now because before I just did what I wanted to and I did what I, I could get away with without getting too much trouble. I wasn't afraid of a little bit of trouble. I was afraid of too much trouble. 
And so I would do just enough to try to stay on that line. Yeah, I might get a whooping, but at least, you know, at the end of the day, it's okay. But then when I got bored again, it was like, I don't want to do those things anymore. But now my flesh was still drawn to that. <laughs> and I was like, but I don't want to do that anymore. And there, there began a, a battle pulling a, a side to side that I never had before. And in that, it was turning from that power of Satan into the power of God. And we know that God can overcome those things. And us trusting in Christ can overcome all things. But it's us trusting God to do it. When I rely on my own flesh, I can't overcome sin. But then he said there that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. When Paul says these things, I mean, we think about the forgiveness. We think about that inheritance. I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve forgiveness. I don't, I don't deserve my own salvation. God gave it to me, but I don't deserve it. But in all of these things, can I be honest with you? I, I love thinking back about getting born again. And I was watching some of y'all as I was talking about being born again. Some of y'all's faces were lighting up a little bit because you're thinking back, oh, I remember when I got born again. I remember that day. I remember when that power struggle began to change. I remember what God did in my life. And look, I grew up in church. I know people that grew up out in the world and they got saved and their life changed. And they get excited about it. But Paul's not here talking about that to be excited about his own salvation. Paul's telling King Agrippa, he said, King Agrippa, I want you to know that I was obedient to God. The things that I did, I didn't do it for you. I didn't do it for anybody out here. I did it because God told me to. Does the world need to hear the gospel? Absolutely. Did God call me to go to Beckway and St. Vincent and the Grenadines? Absolutely. But I've told my church, I'm not there because of them. I'm there because of God. But it all goes back to simply being obedient unto what God told us to do. I was thinking about it right before church and over in Acts chapter number 16. Very familiar for all of us. But in Acts chapter number 16, Paul is, is, is traveling there. In verse number 6, well, in verse number 5, it says, And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the regions of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. God told Paul not to preach in Asia. That seems odd, especially for us as preachers. We're like, you can't give the wrong person the gospel. And that's true, unless God told you not to yet. And after that, we're come to Mysia, and they say to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Wait a second. God, I want to go into Asia. No. God, I want to go over here. No. A lot of times we think being obedient is doing exactly what we're supposed to do. And sometimes that is it. But other times it's God saying, wait a second. Don't go yet. 
And we know God opens up the door. All of Asia hears the gospel. Twelve men are saved. They go in there. I mean, God flips all of Asia upside down. Everybody hears it, but not yet. God has a timeline. But here's what happened. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man in Macedonia praying him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Man, there's that Macedonian call. I'm a Macedonian world Baptist priest. We got that Macedonian call. I wonder tonight how many people God has given a call. You said, well, God never told me to go to the mission field. God left you in the mission field. There's a mission field in St. Vincent of the Grenadines. There's a mission field in Honduras. There's a mission field in every place you go. God told some to go. God also told some to stay. But the thing is, we're all on the mission field. The mission field is around us. I, I believe it was Brother, um, Brother Hamby who made a statement one time in the church, Brother Dean Hamby, and he made this statement. He said, God does not believe in home missions because heaven doesn't need a missionary. Hmm. Let that sink in. Everything to God is for it. Trenton, Georgia. Is for it. Tiftonia, Chattanooga. Guess where there's a need for a missionary? The whole world. But that call, man, we, we, I, I've heard that call preached, and I've heard it stop right there at verse 9 so many times. But as I was teaching through the book of Acts, verse 10 really stuck out to me, and I didn't preach it. I don't even have a message for this. I've got a title for a message, but I don't have a message. But look what Paul did in verse number 10. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Verse 11, Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis. When Paul got the green light to go, he didn't stop. He didn't. We would think Macedonia was the greatest place. Paul got there, got arrested. Got thrown in jail. Had like three people get saved. And then he got kicked out. Can I tell you tonight? Paul endeavored immediately to go. When God gave him that green light. But I think what sums up Paul's life is one simple thought. He was not disobedient. We talk about the children. Children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Children obey your parents. Children obey. And we, we, I mean, we harp on the kids. You got to memorize that verse. All right. You disobey me, I'm going to spank you. Children obey your parents. You know. But how many times do we recognize ourselves as the children of God? Say, God, am I obedient to you? I, I, I'll be honest with you. I've got a heavy burden for St. Vincent of Grenadines. If I have 10 missionaries surrender to go and have full support that could go down with me, we could stay extremely busy. But Sexton, you, you, you recognize in Honduras there, I don't speak Spanish, I'd love to go. You have to join me. <laughs> but I, I, I know, I've heard you talk about the villages and the needs and and you trained those nationals that would go up there. If you had 100 men, you'd still need more. I promise you that if we were to take every person in this room and show you a needed place, 
and go to the next church and show them the needed place and go to the next church and show them the neatest place, we can have a thousand people lined up to go and still need more. We probably haven't even got out of the southern United States of America. Our world is going to hell. Christ came, redeemed the whole world, and left us to go tell them. And what do we do? Are we doing our part? Are we being obedient? But Sexton prayed, was praying it. He made a statement about the people up there on the sand mountain. I drive by some of those houses that I remember knocking on their doors. I know some people move and travel and things like that, and I've always wondered, when has that person ever got born again? When that person ever got in church? Are we doing our part? You wouldn't support me if I came in and told you I don't knock doors and I don't witness to people. You wouldn't support me, would you? Y'all be calling the pastor up and saying, hey, I think we ought to drop him. Well, Larry, you better be the first one in line. Preacher, he ain't doing something down there. I only wish to support him. If we were to reverse the roles, what are our churches doing to reach their community? I'm not here to rebuke you. I'm just simply here to remind you that we ought to do our part. You here, me there. But let's do our part to be obedient to the gospel of Christ. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for today. Lord, thank you, God, for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. And Lord, I'm thankful for all that you've done for us. I ask you tonight, Lord, you take what's been said. And Lord, I direct my heart to say it tonight. Lord, may we all, myself included, be obedient to the gospel. Be obedient to get the gospel out. In your name we pray. Thank you, brother. Thank you for the message. Obedience. I don't know why, but at the end of your message, I just couldn't get that uh, kid song out of my head about obedience obedience is the very best way to show what you believe obedience are we obedient what has the Lord spoken to your heart about tonight where can you be more obedient where can I be more obedient Paul said plainly I was not disobedient can we say that tonight as we leave this building I was not disobedient appreciate the message brother uh, if, if you could could you and your family go to the back for us that way as everyone's making their way out tonight they can Shake y'all's hands, encourage you. And uh, church family, on your way out, also when you go back there to greet them, don't forget he's got those um, bookmarks he was talking about, also some prayer cards. Grab one of their prayer cards so we can be um, in prayer for them. But sh be sure to greet them, shake their hand uh, on the way out tonight. But let's pray, and I will be dismissed. Dear Father, again, we just want to thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love, mercy, and grace that you've Bestowed upon us, I pray that you'd help us as your children to be um, obedient to your word and to your will and your Holy Spirit's direction in our lives. Lord, each and every one of us, Lord, your Holy Spirit is working on me in a different way and working on everyone in this building in different ways. Lord, desiring us for us to grow in certain areas. So I pray that you'd help us to be sensitive and obedient to your will as we seek to follow your word. I pray that you give us safety as we depart our separate ways here tonight. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. All right, thank you guys for being in here tonight. You're dismissed.